Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Michelle McCall Brown is a startup strategist and venture-backed tech entrepreneur. She's the founder of Bold Startups, which provide courses and results-based coaching to help consultants, online and service-based entrepreneurs hit six figures so they can be full-time and financially free. Michelle is also the co-founder of Brainwork, a software company that creates top-ranking blog posts in minutes for small businesses. She raised half a million within a year as a non-technical founder for her own software company, making her part of the 0.02% of Black women founders in tech to raise venture capital. She has also managed two startup accelerators where entrepreneurs have made over 3.6 million in revenue within a few years. She's been blessed to be featured by Inc. Magazine, Fortune, Essence, Glamour, Cranes, Huffington Post, The White House, Black Enterprise, and South by Southwest. Michelle, welcome to the show. Welcome to today's episode. Great to have you back with us. Today, we will be speaking with Michelle McCall-Brown, who is a part of what is called the Unicorn Squad, which is that 0.02% of Black women in tech who've been able to successfully leverage venture funding. I'm particularly interested in hearing from Nichelle today as a non-tech founder in a tech space who's been able to traverse some of the funding and finance challenges that come with expanding and scaling a tech business. Yeah, I think Nichelle was very intentional in how she talked about her process in securing funding which will be very um, instructional for our our listeners who are entrepreneurs themselves and might be in the tech space and are curious about how do I actually go about the process of figuring out how to to leverage venture funding, particularly if you are a founder of a tech company who doesn't have a tech background as Michelle was. So without further ado, we'll just jump into the show. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. So let's get into it then. So you are among, you know, the unicorn squad of Black women, that 0.02% of Black women entrepreneurs who have successfully, Black women entrepreneurs in tech who have successfully raised venture funding. Tell us a bit about your background and the business that you initially raised those venture funds for? 
Yeah. So for me, um, funny enough, I actually started my career in the nonprofit sector. Um, never knew that I was going to end up in tech. Um, I actually you know, used to work for a foundation that supported social entrepreneurs in, in starting their businesses. And, you know, I kind of helped a lot of those entrepreneurs and helping them to get their businesses started and being able to access fundings. And so never knew that I would eventually become an entrepreneur myself, let alone in tech. Um, so, so my business, I think, kind of really started, my journey of entrepreneurship really started after finishing up grad school. And I was being recruited for a job back home um, in Cleveland. And, you know, they wrote the job description based off of my resume. They weren't, you know, interviewing anyone else. This job was specifically for me. And in the last moment, after I turned down other job opportunities, um, they decided to go into another direction. And so I found myself unemployed. Um, and so that was just, you know, really kind of a, a tough time in a sense. But I had made the decision at that moment that I would never leave my financial future in the hands of someone else. And so for me, then at that point, you know, I started working on my my first business, which was in consulting and helping schools and nonprofits to start up programs and access funding. And, And through that, just realized in order for me to be able to help a larger scale of schools and students, I couldn't necessarily scale myself as a consultant, but I could leverage technology to do that. And so that's when I started looking into um, my first you know, software company, Bold Guidance, that helps students to navigate the college application process on their mobile devices. And um, from there, you know, just started talking to different schools and guidance counselors about their, their problems and their issues created a solution based on um, their problems that they were having and was able to take that and and kind of pitch it, you know, for initially an accelerator program and then eventually being able to raise a half a million dollars. But I did all of that as a as a non-technical um, founder of a tech company. So it's been a quite quite a journey thus far. That's amazing. I mean, to hear that you have had, um, that you worked in nonprofit sector. So you obviously have had sort of four or five different jobs, but only one salary. Um, you know, the fact that you, again, pivoted through, um, you know, job loss and, and how many people that we hear really that being the, the nexus point and that being the, the, that necessity being the mother of invention is always sort of really um, important to hear. It it seems to be the seminal point in so many entrepreneurs story. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're not keeping the secret of your success to yourself. So could you tell us a little bit about your winning sort of fundraising strategies and the accelerator programs and why you think it's important for black entrepreneurs to understand the world of venture capital, um, especially because so many, so few um, women entrepreneurs have, have really have exposure in that particular area. Or more specifically, black women entrepreneurs. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, I think for me, you know, I strongly believe that a lot of the experiences that I've been through were not just for myself, but for me to share it with others. And, and I do believe too, that we all do better when we can actually kind of come up together. And so, you know, being able to help, um, black women entrepreneurs to understand what it is that, you know, investors are looking for, but even if you don't get investment, how do you build an investment ready business um, is crucial. And so, you know, oftentimes we, we sometimes get sucked up in this concept of having to raise money and we end up spending so much of our time trying to raise money. But the thing is with a lot of investors is that they oftentimes are, are looking for traction. Um, so whether you have customers or, you know, you're generating revenue, some, something around that, even before they're going to actually raise money or give you money. And so because of that, it's really crucial to spend a good chunk of your time really identifying who is your right paying customer. And that's something that, you know, I, I teach, um, you know, women entrepreneurs and black women entrepreneurs all the time is how do you identify who is truly your right paying customer? And ideally being able to interview you know, if you could, at least a hundred, a hundred of them being able to understand what are their biggest challenges? Why is that a challenge for them? And what, you know, what would a solution look like? What would they like? What would, what would their life look like a year from now? Um, and as you have a better understanding of what their challenges are and kind of what the ideal goal is, you're now able to craft a solution where your customers basically told you exactly what it is that they need and how to sell them. And so when you're in a place that you have a solution that can truly um, fix your right paying customers challenges, you're in a much better place and you're, you're in a better place to be able to gain that traction and to be able to sell it to them, which then ultimately better positions you for different accelerator programs as well. Uh, and so that's one of the things where, you know, we're really having to spend a lot of time doing that. And the thing is, you don't even have to have a full, robust product at this point for your your um, customers to be using. You just need to have something that's functional enough to be able to address their challenge that they have and use that as the kind of like the the crucial moment or the crux for you to be able to then get into the accelerator programs and get investment. So Nichelle, we're at this very interesting time right now where there's a lot of conversation around funding, some of it connected to um, what was happening with COVID and the impact on lots of small businesses. And now also with venture being called out for the fact that it's not very diverse. Um, a lot of black women entrepreneurs like yourself haven't been as successful raising venture funds as others. So what do black entrepreneurs and black women entrepreneurs need to know about raising venture capital? Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny because sometimes when it comes to raising venture capital, it feels like it's a little bit of the the chicken before the egg, right? 
Um, and so as it relates to being able to really raise venture capital, you know, oftentimes we're in a place where we feel like we're needing to excel <laughs> even, you know, beyond some of our, you know, our other peers out here in the, in the space. And so, you know, it really, a lot of it really does once again, boil down into that, that traction. Um, and so being in a place where either, you know, you have your, your MVP or your minimal viable product, um, and you've been able to either, you know, get a large number of people to um, do pre-sales. So to sign up for it, even before like your full product is launched, or maybe you have even a scaled back version of what your product ultimately will be. Um, but you're able to get customers on board and using it, or you're able to have customers actually pay to use it. Um, what I'm finding is we're, we're definitely in a place where, you know, being able to have customers is going to be crucial. We kind of have passed, at least for, you know, what I've seen for a lot of um, Black women entrepreneurs, unless you have like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people using your product for free. Um, you know, we're kind of at a point now where you're having to be able to get some people who are paying for your services and your product in order for you to be, you know, even more attractive um, for investors. Um, but as you're doing that, it's also important that you're still building relationships with investors along the way. And so you do have a lot of people right now who, you know, who are reaching out and, and trying to, um, you know, give funds to to black, black women entrepreneurs. Um, but even still, you know, there's only but so many dollars <laughs> um, and you have to still make yourself, you know, more competitive. So, you know, in this season, it's still important that you're reaching out to people, you're building the relationships, you're having regular updates with them, even if they say no from, you know, the beginning, you're still providing ideally monthly updates of just your, your progress that you've been able to make. Um, so when you get to the point of, you know, going further along or, or if you didn't even need funding at the beginning, but you need funding six months from now, you know, you have built a relationship with them. They've been able to see your progress and you being able to meet certain milestones. And that's going to help you to become more attractive um, in many cases. But I think also, you know, just really take a look at people's portfolio and talk to their companies as well, their portfolio companies, and also get a sense of kind of what was their experience working with that investor because ultimately it really is a marriage. So you have to make sure that it's a right fit um, for you just as much as it's a right fit for them. Would you mind sharing some of the, um, the strategies that you used when you were fundraising for Bold Guidance? Um, where are some of the places that you went? What was the strategy? What were the strategies that you used? And where did you get your funding for Bold? Um, for the, the your your initial company for Bold Guidance. Mm -hmm. So for my my initial company, you know, I got my funding actually through um, different funding sources in the state of Ohio. Um, some being kind of state funding for tech companies, others being you know from um, accelerator programs. And so, 
you know, for me, my, my journey and my path was, you know, first surrounding myself with mentors and advisors in the tech space, right? Um, those who've been successful, who have kind of been where I'm trying to get to and help having them to help me to understand how do you build an investment ready business? Um, so that goes beyond just simply the product and it addressing a true need, validating that, you know, there's a demand for it. But how do you also build a business that can really generate revenue and having the right revenue generation goals and milestones in place um, from there being able to, you know, present that information. So my path was first getting into accelerator programs. Um, for me, I also did just various pitch events around the country, actually. Um, and the value of doing that was one, just being able to continue to perfect my pitch um, by being able to have different people from around the country, whether it's the West Coast or the East Coast, giving me feedback on that. But then two, it's the exposure, right? I'm, a, I'm now opening up my network um, to more people, you know, who may have interest. So Digital Undivided was an organization that, you know, that I worked with. Um, I actually also pitched at Essence Festival and presented at South by Southwest. So those are great places to be able to meet people as well. Um, but just by going through that process, pitching and presenting and networking uh, quite a bit, that really helped me to be in a place where now I was able to start making those relationships. And as I said before, you know, providing people with monthly updates of where we are, what we've done and the progress that we've been able to make. Um, but then just really focusing once again on the traction, you know, so what traction are you making within your business and being able to understand what type of revenue generation goals do you need to be focused on that's going to continue to propel your company forward? And for me, I had an 18 month um, action plan that focused on those revenue generation goals and milestones. And so that's something that you know I, I teach entrepreneurs heavily um, that that's going to really help to propel you forward because investors are going to want to know what's your plan. And so it's really important that you have one. That's great to hear. Thank you so much, Nishal. There was just a, a lot there in terms of mapping your process and kind of really fine tuning your approach. Um, so thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, just turning sort of broadening out a little bit today there was three very stark statistics that I'd like to get your thoughts on so the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce uh, came out with a statement uh, basically saying that COVID-19 had seen a 41 percent decline in black owned businesses equating to uh, 440,000 Black-owned businesses collapsing. That's coupled with a 16.8 unemployment rate amongst Black Americans is, you know, pretty sobering statistics and sobering is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Conversely, we have such a momentum and such, uh, you know, power around the idea of starting a business right now. You know, social media is a, is just ablaze with people talking about, you know, this is the time, this is the time. 
And I'd love to get your thoughts on how you reconcile those sort of two realities. That is a great question. And to be honest, something that I have been toiling with for several weeks myself. Um, I think part of the part of the challenge, you know, going with your first statistic of just how many um, black owned businesses are closed. Part of it is that, you know, traditionally we tend to open service based businesses. Um, so the barbershop, the beauty salon, um, you know, the different restaurants, um, things of that nature. And so when all of a sudden COVID hits and we're no longer allowed to, to allow people into that space, it makes it so much more challenging to keep our doors open, right? Um, and so one of the things that we've been seeing is just a need to pivot in a sense, a need to kind of sometimes shift the business model. So for those who you know, providing, um, who are in the food industry, you know, instead of having people to come to you with brick and mortar, instead, you know, leveraging technology, whether it's Instagram or Facebook and having people to order and delivering the food, right? Um, And so figuring out essentially, how do we start to shift our business um, to leverage the online and tech space in some capacity? And so for some businesses, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're creating your own software, you're creating your own app um, in a sense, but our world has definitely moved into the online tech space. And so we have to figure out how to leverage technology to continue to grow and excel um, in our businesses so that we're in a place where ideally, you know, we're, we're not as, um, you know, susceptible to some of the things that, that end up happening. Like, um, now no one could have predicted that this would take place. Right. Um, but we definitely are seeing a lot more people who are realizing too, just, um, how some things are just not as, um, secure, um, as we originally thought, and in some cases that, that may be jobs. And so part of what, you know, I teach people, whether it's through my courses or just through, you know, coaching, um, is how do you really go about, tell, how do you really go about creating something that can be provided virtually or online or leveraging technology so that you can be able to scale um, actually one of my, my new software company Brainwork, does quite a bit of that. We actually help small businesses in being able to, uh, create high quality blog posts in minutes so that they can be in a place that they can effectively market themselves and their services to their ideal customers. Um, and so, you know, whether it's through that software or teaching entrepreneurs as well, just how to, um, find their right paying customer online and how to market and monetize their services, we have to be able to understand how to reach our customers in the online space um, now and especially moving forward. So you mentioned your new company, Brainwork. Mm-hmm. Are you fundraising for that business? And if so, how are you going about the process of fundraising for Brainwork? Yeah, great question. So we are not 
actively raising a round of funding at this moment. Um, we actually just got accepted into an accelerator program. I told you I'm a fan of accelerators. Um, so right. we, yeah, so we, we just recently got accepted into accelerator program, which will allow us in, in kind of um, finishing out a couple more components of our, our MVP, um, which, you know, as I said, the, the software is really to help digital marketing agencies and small businesses to, you know, increase their brand awareness, um, you know, save time and ultimately, you know, rank um, better in, in Google so their customers can find them. But, um, you know, for us, we're taking the path of doing the accelerator, kind of hitting some key metrics, but we're also talking to investors now and starting to build the relationships. So for us, we may not necessarily need, you know, a larger round of funding for probably about another like, you know, four to six months. Um, but we're starting the conversations now. And so, you know, we're introducing ourselves, we're letting them know who we are, you know, but we're first doing research on these investors, making sure that we fit their criteria um, for the round of funding or the amount of funding that they give. Um, also that, you know, we fit into their portfolio type of companies. Um, we're also having conversations with other people who might have been funded from, um, by them before. So, you know, starting to have those conversations, ideally starting to get some warm introductions so we can uh, just start to build the relationship. So when we get to the point of actually raising around, um, you know, later on, they've already seen our progress. Um, they've seen, you know, the milestones that we have set in place and the fact that we've been able to meet them. And it's going to make it a, just a whole lot easier at that point. Yeah, I, I just love what you're, you're talking about because um, it just sounds like from the, from the outset, you're thinking about sustainability and resilience. And when you were talking about, you know, the the idea of technology and, and really embracing technology, when I think about the businesses that have made it and and have have been able to pivot in this COVID um, related world we're living in, it, it's it's that it's that resilience and that sustainability that's always kind of been key there. And so really excited to see what happens for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So it's that time in the show where we ask every guest, WTF, Nichelle, where is the funding? Where can people access, whether it's VC funding, grants, accelerated programs that maybe have resources attached to them. Where, you know, where and what resources do you think are out there that are helpful and um, supportive of our demographic? Yeah, great, great question. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely a plethora um, of different things that are available. So, you know, even starting with the accelerator um, 
place. So and oftentimes, you know, in general, it's ideal to be in a place where you ideally have at least an MVP in place. And, and what I'm finding is that most accelerators are looking for that at this point. Um, so if you do have a minimal viable product um, in place, you know, Hillman Accelerator in Cincinnati is a is a great place, um, even though they do actually even have some programs that are available for people who are uh, pre MVP. So Hillman Accelerator is, is a great option. Um, Generator uh, Brandery um, in Cincinnati Generator actually has a lot of different places all across the country, um, including Detroit. And I think there's a couple of black women entrepreneurs who've gone through through that program. Um, you know, I've also have seen as it relates to these different investment opportunities. Um, Founder Gym is actually a great place to just kind of, you know, be able to take some courses and and learn about what it means to raise um, funding. Um, but we're also even talking about uh, Harlem Capital. New Voices Fund is a great place to raise funding. Hustle VC, uh, Precursor VC. These are all great places for those who are looking for kind of like that pre-seed funding. So typically if you're, you know, looking for, you know, less than a million dollars, those, those are the ideal places that you will go for that. Um, you know, and I've even seen some different things as it relates to um, one of them being um, uh, New Voices Fund actually focuses specifically on um, beauty products, but there's another one that just came out, GSD um, Ventures as well. So that's something to, to definitely consider as it relates to just kind of different funding sources that have traditionally been supporting, um, you know, diverse entrepreneurs, and I'm sure will continue to do so moving forward. And backstage capital. I, I do believe that they're actually going to be raising um, kind of like a joint fund for um, for Black entrepreneurs uh, very soon as well. Perfect, Michelle. Can I just ask you to circle back on one thing that you mentioned? Um, can you define what an MVP is for, for our audience? Yeah. So a MVP, also known as a minimal viable product, is really some kind of um, some kind of product that you can create that takes the limited amount of resources, the Almost limited like amount a of prototype, is it not? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty close to a prototype. Sometimes your prototype can be your MVP. Sometimes your MVP may be like one step above the, the prototype. Um, and so you, you definitely want it to be something that ideally your customers can start using um, and, and be able to kind of get them onto the platform and be able to kind of figure out, okay, you know, what's working, what's not working, what can we do differently? Um, because the best way of learning is to really just have your customers tell you what they need. Great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's like early enough in the kind of incubation stage where customer customers can use it immediately, but not too, not too sophisticated where you can kind of get feedback to, to, you know, to support future development. Is that kind of a good synopsis? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and part of it is like, you know, ideally you want an MVP that's not going to, you know, take you, you know, six, 12, 18 months to create, depending on what it is. I mean, there's some that's, there's just a lot of, um, you know, just if you're talking about AI or something like that, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, leveraging internet of things or, you know, um, uh, but if you're in a place where you're not doing something that's as complex as that, you know, ideally you want something that you can typically get out within um, one one to, to two to three months for people to start using. And that Excellent. allows you to start um, sort of gathering that data and that feedback that you then recycle into the next version. Exactly, exactly. And and ideally, you know, being able to have something that even people will pay for um, and start using it then. And then when you get to the point where it's like, oh, I can't grow anymore. Um, that's where you can you have a good case study and a good story of, you know, that you can share with investors to get additional funding. Thank you for that um, explanation. So as we come towards the end of the show, I just want to ask you, um, what are some key points or resources that you would like to leave our listeners with? I mean, you've already been generous. Um, you've shared a lot. Um, but what else is there? We're trying to get all the information out of you before you go <laughs> about how and where to find funding of all types. Yeah, so I mean, you know, some some options for those may be even like pre MVP. You know, crowdfunding is still is still a good alternative. So, um, you know, typically non equity um, crowdfunding if you're pre MVP. So those are some things to consider. Um, I fund women is is a great place for Black women entrepreneurs to do that, and they even have. Um, different resources that are specific to Black women entrepreneurs. Um, Black Girl Ventures is another great resource uh, for people. Digital Undivided is another great resource for Black women entrepreneurs as well. Um, but, you know, other funding sources, as I said, you know, being able to go to uh, Hustle VC, Precursor VC, um, those are some great uh, equity-based um, funding sources and, and different accelerators too. Um, but, you know, if you're also just in a place where you're just still trying to learn um, as much as possible to kind of prepare you to have those conversations, um, you know, as I said, Founders Gym is, is one resource. Um, but then also I actually teach courses as well in helping people to understand how to identify their right paying customer um, and how to be able to market and monetize that so that they are in a better position to not only learn how to raise money, but how to make money, um, which really better positions them to be successful overall, funding or no funding. <laughs> and what's your platform for those courses that you offer? Yeah, so people can find more on those courses at um, my website, moneyandmilestones.com. And so that's moneyandmilestones.com. Awesome. So Lydia, are there any other questions before we close out with Michelle? I don't think so. I have been busy scribbling away here with all of the resources that you've provided. Thank you so much, Michelle. I think you're a 
you know, again, just a fountain of resources and support. It's really always great to hear somebody who uh, has been through the trenches on this and come out the other side. And yeah, I just really appreciate your perspectives. Thanks so much. Yeah, uh, one more thing, Michelle, before you go. So when does Brainworks, is Brainworks, do you have a, so if, if, if entrepreneurs or people want to sort of, you know, take the, start experimenting with what that offers, how hard it would do that? Are you already out there with it? Like where, where are you in the process of, of putting it into the market? Yeah, so people people can find um, that software at brainwork.com. Um, and so we do have actually just like a free keyword analyzer that is currently in the market. And basically what it is is that it allows you to do some initial research on your topic um, to kind of see, you know, is this something worth talking about right now? Is it trending? Um, you know, be able to see kind of how you compete against other other people and and um, specific to that topic. So that is available right now. Um, we will be also launching our blog post creator, which will allow people to format their posts and do some SEO um, or you know search engine optimization uh, type of activities, so that their blog posts will rank higher. Um, that feature or product will actually be released in a few weeks. So if people just go to brainwork.com, um, you can sign up on our list and we'll let you know as soon as it's released. And for those who sign up now, they actually will even get a, a early bird discount. So you should check it there out. There you go. <laughs> so for our listeners, Nichelle was just on the list of women in tech to watch. So make sure you keep an eye on her. And so if people want to follow you and know more about you and Brainwork, like, you know, when different phases of the product um, hits the market, where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, so people can follow me. My name is typically at Nichelle underscore McCall. Um, also, you know, if you just go to my, my actual website, NichelleMcCall.com, um, you know, you'll be able to find a lot of my social media, um, kind of, you know, platforms there as well. So, um, so those are the best way to be able to find me. Um, also, you know, if you go to my social media platform, you'll be able to see, actually, um, I'll give you guys a free course um, that, you know, people can be able to take to kind of learn more about finding their right paying customer. So I'll be sure to share that with you, Michelle and Lydia, so you can give that to your audience too. Thank you. Wonderful. That's perfect. Guys, she just keeps on giving. Michelle, thank you so much for giving so much of your time and, you know, the valuable information that you've shared with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you, Nichelle. Take care. What I really enjoy about the show and talking to Nichelle specifically is just the wealth of resources she was able to share from conventions and conferences where she could network and be in front of other uh, venture capitalists to venture capitalist funds that she thought were particularly helpful or effective um, with our demographic 
And also the fact that she's now paying it forward with, you know, teaching and lessons learned. So again, great resources that Nichelle was able to provide. Nichelle was so unexpectedly gracious to offer a free course to our listeners. We were not expecting that, but we are very grateful that she did that. You can check out the free course at nichellemccall.com forward slash more customers. Um, The information is also in the show notes. And if you think this course could be beneficial to you, please do not hesitate to take advantage of it. And we'd just like to thank Michelle again for being on the show. If you are enjoying the information being shared on this show, please make sure you tune in again in the next two weeks for more.